You are listening to episode number 17 of the You Are Nourished podcast. Do you find yourself doing really well with your lifestyle habits like healthy eating or exercise for a period of time, but frequently self-sabotage your efforts only to end up right back at square one? Well, in today's episode, I explore why we self-sabotage and share some top tips for breaking this pattern. Grab something comfy and stay tuned. Are you tired of dieting, fed up with constantly stressing out about food and sick to death of feeling like absolute rubbish because no matter how hard you try, you just can't seem to get control over your eating habits? Well, my love, you are in the right place. I'm Lauren Gafer. I'm a nutritional therapist and a mindset coach. I'm a mum of two and I happen to be partial to an oat milk latte and a Friday night gin and tonic, but I am mostly on a mission to make sure that you never go on another diet. On this podcast, my goal is to liberate you from restrictive and unsustainable diets by learning how to eat more intuitively, teaching you how to nourish yourself in body and mind, and helping you feel the best you've ever felt without ever counting another calorie again. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Lauren here for another episode. I hope you're having a fabulous week. Today we are exploring the concept, the topic of self-sabotage. Now, if you have ever been on a diet, then I'm sure you are very closely familiar with the concept of self-sabotage. Perhaps you are one of these people that describes yourself as somebody who's always self-sabotaging. Maybe you are able to stick to your diet for three weeks or three months or however long you manage to stick to it, but then before you know it, just a sniff of a Malteser and it's all gone out the window. Sound familiar? Listen, we've all done it. We've all we've all sabotaged our efforts in all different areas of our life. And I want to explore a little bit what self-sabotage is, why we do it, what it's rooted in, and also give you some tips on how to avoid it. Now, I need to side note here in that I am not a qualified psychologist. Some of the concepts here are probably more appropriate for psychology. So if you think that you have some chronic patterns around self-sabotage in various different areas of your life, then maybe that's something that you need to seek some additional support with. I'm specifically relating this to um, health and well-being and food because that's my jam, (laughs) no pun intended. Um, So I want to help you to perhaps reframe what self-sabotage is so that you can untangle yourself from the messy thoughts that we have around sabotage because a lot of it is rooted in a lot of very self-critical thinking and negative thoughts and being really hard on ourselves. So that's what a lot of the patterns are rooted in. So let's dive in. What is self-sabotage? I'm going to read a little description here for you that I have found on a psychology website that I think describes the, the pattern quite well. So self-sabotage occurs when we destroy ourselves physically, mentally or emotionally or deliberately hinder our own success and well-being by undermining personal goals and values. It is insidious, profound and universal and emanates from negative mindsets. So kind of what I just said about having negative thought patterns. So what this is about is that we are 
consciously or unconsciously hindering our own success. And it seems bonkers. Like, why would you do that? Why would you stop yourself from progressing? Why would you stop yourself from having success in any area of your life? Well, it's really not you know, as simple as as that. There are so many things, so many thought processes and, you know, things that may have occurred in your childhood and years growing up that can lead to self-sabotaging behaviours in adulthood. But, you know, when it comes to food, an example of conscious self-sabotage is eating cake, even though you have a goal to eat healthily. And this is where I come in, because What is deemed to be a healthy goal or a health goal for somebody, which might mean eliminating sugar or avoiding carbohydrates, means that when you do eat something with sugar in or eat a carbohydrate, you are deemed to have self-sabotaged and therefore failed. And that's where all of the downward spiralling can come in. So we can self-sabotage in all areas of our life, not just in food and health and well-being, but we can self-sabotage in our career, in our relationships. You know, an example might be that you're putting off uh, applying for a bank loan for setting up a new business because you have a fear that your business will fail and so you're not going to apply for the bank loan and you end up stuck in a job that you hate. Or it might be that you put off updating your CV because you have a fear of rejection. Uh, You might fear not actually getting a job that you're applying for and so you sabotage by not, not completing that CV and not actually making any progress because that's rooted in a fear of failure. So much self-sabotage is rooted in a fear of failure, but a lot of self-sabotage is rooted in a fear of success. Because what will happen if you succeed at this thing? What's that going to mean that you have to do? A lot of people don't make progress in their lives because they are frightened of the success that is on the other side of that. And that's going to mean that they no longer have excuses for putting off the things that they've said they're going to do. So when I have lost X number of pounds, that's when I'm going to start training for a marathon or that's when I'm going to go on that expensive holiday or that's when I'm going to apply for my dream job. So a lot of weight loss and dieting goals around I will only be happy when I've lost X number of pounds actually the fear of having to do those things that we've set out in our minds, oh, I'm only going to do all of these special, exciting things when I feel like I look okay, perhaps those things are really scary. Like applying for a new job or or being seen in a bikini and on that dream holiday, whatever it might be. So we sabotage our efforts because we're frightened of the success as much as we are frightened of the failure. But there's a really key reason for self-sabotage, which when I was doing a little bit of research um, on this topic really stood out to me in terms of relating it back to health and diets in particular. And that is perfectionism. So a lot of our self-sabotage is rooted in perfectionism. So we don't make progress with the things that we that are going to give us results unless everything is perfect. And this can really be related back to diet. So when you are on a diet you are having to follow something perfectly, right? You are having to follow your diet plan to the letter, whether that be eliminating all sugar or not eating any carbohydrates or only eating lemons or whatever it is, whatever weird diet you're on. If you deviate from that diet plan, you have failed. And so perfectionism 
is a massive cause of self-sabotage and dieting because as soon as you are no longer on that diet, as soon as a morsel of sugar or carbohydrates or, or whatever food, biscuits, cake, crisps, whatever it is, whatever forbidden foods um, you have deemed or the diet plan has deemed as, as that need to be excluded, as soon as you have those things and you are a failure and that's where those thoughts of, oh, why do I keep self-sabotaging? Why do I keep, you know, hindering my own progress. So when your only goal for your health is weight loss, then any time you deviate from your diet, you're going to be seen as self-sabotaging. So what does self-sabotage look like when you're on a weight loss diet? It looks like eating a food that's not on your diet plan and then ending up in a massive binge or a big fuck it feast because you've gone, well, I've eaten the biscuit now. I might as well finish the packet and let's go for the bag of Doritos and the Maltesers as well. And well, it's Thursday, so I might as well just go all out for the rest of the weekend and start again on Monday. So I've not managed to follow this diet perfectly therefore I'm throwing it all out the window. And this kind of behaviour is so much worse for your physical and mental health than having a little bit more wiggle room when it comes to your diet and your health and wellbeing goals and not being so rigid with having to do everything perfectly because that means that, you know, if you do eat a biscuit, so what? Big deal. You haven't failed at anything. You ate a biscuit. Move on. Same with something like exercise. We can set ourselves really rigid goals when it comes to exercise. We can wake up on Monday morning, much like we do with our diet resolve and go, right, I'm going to exercise for one hour every single day. And then if by Wednesday or Thursday, life got really busy and you were not able to fit in an hour's workout, you're like, oh, well, I failed at that again. I'm just going to end up on the sofa um, and with a Toblerone and (laughs) not exercise for another three months. You know, when you have a little bit more balance, when you have a little bit more of a flexible approach to your goals, then that those negative thoughts aren't so loud. You're not so mean to yourself when you do something that isn't deemed as being perfect. So, you know, one of the key things in trying to let go of that self-sabotage is letting go of perfectionism and also re-evaluating your health goals and what success and failure looks like to you. So, you know, if your health goals are only based around the number on a scale, then if if you're weighing yourself every Monday and you've put on a pound, then that is going to be deemed as a failure and you're going to punish yourself for that. And you'll punish yourself in all kinds of different ways. Maybe you'll punish yourself by restricting your calories and over-exercising, or maybe you'll punish yourself by binging and going, well, obviously my diet doesn't work. I might as well just carry on. So when, you know, when our health goals are rooted in a number on a scale, which diet culture will lead you to do, then success and failure basically looks like either eating something off your diet plan or gaining weight. When your health goals are rooted in behaviours and how you want to feel, then it's much easier to see success and failure. So for example, say you want to start meal prepping. You're not going to go in and set yourself a goal to you know, meal prep a month's worth of food in one day. That's not going to be realistic. And certainly what I teach within my membership around meal prep, for example, is to start really slow. Maybe you just want to prep 
two or three breakfasts in advance or a couple of snacks and then build up from there slowly. And what that does, it allows you to engage in healthier behaviours and it can help you feel like you've accomplished something. There's no, no better feeling than waking up in the morning and your breakfast already being prepared. I know it sounds silly, but genuinely, I'm sure there are better feelings, but you do feel ever so smug when you know that you've got your breakfast ready um, for the next day or you've got a snack to take into work or you've even got some leftovers from dinner the night before to take in for your lunch. Little things like that when it comes to, you know, healthy behaviours around food. Similarly, around other health promoting activities like exercise, I would never say, right, off you go, go and train for a marathon if that's not your bag at all. I'm very much about finding movement that works for you and working your way up slowly. So maybe it's a 15 minute walk three times a week and you manage to get to that and you'd feel really accomplished at the end of the week. Notice that none of these goals have anything to do with your weight. They are around behaviours and feeling like you've succeeded at something at the end of the week. So by setting yourself realistic behaviour-led goals, you can feel a lot more accomplished and you can feel like a success. And you're much much less likely to feel like you've sabotaged yourself if you perhaps don't manage to do one of them on one day. So reframing what health and well-being is to you, and it's going to be different to everybody, the important thing to understand is that when it comes to your health and well-being and your relationship with food, most importantly, is that it's not linear. Diet culture will have you believe that there is a, a linear progression from day one of your diet to your goal weight, and at the end of that, you're going to finally be happy and content and achieve all of the things you've ever wanted to achieve in your life when you've reached that goal weight. We all know that's just absolute nonsense. So diet culture will continue to lead you to believe that it is a linear progress. So eat X food, avoid X food, do X type of movement, and by the end of it, you will have lost X number of pounds, and all will be well with the world. Well, we know that that's not the case. We know that diets fail. We know that diets don't work, and that in in the most part, whilst you may lose the weight, nine times out of 10 people put that weight right back on again as soon as they start eating, quote unquote, normally. Life is messy, and so your health and well-being is also going to be messy. Some weeks you're going to be really on it, you're going to be doing the meal prep and doing the exercise and drinking the water and eating the greens, and some weeks you're not. And there's no blame in, in any of those situations. Sometimes life is stressful and things get in the way and we can't always do the things that we want to do. So it's important to understand that even, you know, even if you've been doing something for five years, sometimes it might go out the window and that's okay. So I want to share some tips with you on how to stop self-sabotaging around food and around our health goals. And the first one is really to remove the concept of perfectionism around food and to listen out for the language that you use around food. So are you talking about food in terms of good and bad? And if you've been good all day, but by the time the evening comes around, you've been bad because you ate some chocolate in front of the TV. So really check your language around food and how you're describing food and judging food because you're going to feel like you've self-sabotaged when you eat a quote unquote bad food. So really try and view foods, and this is what intuitive eating is all about, as morally equal. All foods are morally equal. Some may be nutritionally superior than others, but where some foods may nourish your cells from a nutritional perspective, other foods nourish your soul. And I love that. I love that whole concept of intuitive eating. And it's something that 
even though a couple of years ago I didn't even know much about intuitive eating, this really, really resonated with me for a long time. Yes, there's the kale and the, the smoothies and the granolas and the overnight oats and all of the lovely healthy foods that we eat, but there's also cake and ice cream and the joy in eating those things around special occasions. And that's what, you know, we want to, to try and, and encourage and that way that we, removes that perfectionism so that you don't end up thinking oh I've eaten a cake therefore I've self-sabotaged and I failed well not necessarily a cake but perhaps a slice of cake um so by removing the perfectionism around food then you can remove some of that that language around yourself speaking of yourself tip number two is to check your language about yourself. So perfectionism is very, very much backed up by self-criticism. And listen, I have a very intimate relationship with perfectionism. Do not get me wrong. I have, you know, hindered myself from many, many, many things because of my perfectionism and stopped myself from taking action on so many things in the past because it hasn't been perfect. But I've learned and I've trained myself to have a mantra of done is better than perfect. And that is a really difficult mantra for a perfectionist. Done is better than perfect. What do you mean? No, sometimes I have had to stop spending hours obsessing over the font of something or what colour I should I should make a particular graphic because I can honestly waste hours with that kind of thing. You go, no, it's good enough. It is good enough. Done is better than perfect. Another one is it's good enough. And the other one is like you are enough. You are good enough exactly as you are right now. You don't need to change who you are or what you look like to become somebody else's version of perfect because what is perfect anyway so really check your language the kind of language that you're using about yourself the negative self talk beating yourself up for all sorts of things and try and loosen up a little bit <laughs> around how you talk to yourself use kind words try and say something nice to yourself at least once a day celebrate your achievements, celebrate your wins. It's really easy at the end of the week to get to, you know, Friday and go, oh, well, I didn't actually achieve anything this week. But if you look back, you could go, well, actually, do you know what I did? I managed to go out for a half an hour walk and I managed to, you know, post that letter and I managed to record a podcast episode in, in my case. You know, it's ever so accomplishing to get one of these, you know, out into the world really celebrate our achievements a lot more than than we than we normally do. Positive affirmations are another really nice way of bringing, you know, some positivity um, into your world and also gratitude, practicing gratitude. It's really hard to think negative thoughts when you're practicing gratitude. So even just taking a moment each day to kind of be grateful for, you know, anything that you have around you, um, your surroundings, anything that you own, something that, you know, nice that somebody's done for you or said to you or a lovely conversation that perhaps you had with somebody, your friends, your family, your children, your pets, uh, whatever, the roof you have above your head, the sun shining in the sky, a cup of tea, <laughs> You can really be grateful for anything. And really tuning into being grateful for the things that you have really helps to crowd out negative thoughts. And there are studies that, you know, gratitude reduces anxiety. And that in turn, obviously, can help to reduce negative self-talk. And 
perfectionism and self-sabotage. So it's a really great practice to start to get into. And also start thinking about practicing some self-compassion for yourself around food. And this comes back to that you know concept of you know labeling foods good, bad, naughty, treats, blah, 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 all that kind of thing. And not beating yourself up if you do eat a muffin or if you do eat a biscuit, but really tuning into being more mindful around those foods and how they're making you feel physically and emotionally. And finally, for some, for a lot of people, when it comes to food and diet and, and wellness, self-sabotage can look like binging, overeating, emotional eating. And quite a lot of the time, these behaviours are as a result of not eating properly, not eating proper meals, not listening out for your hunger and your fullness. So tune in to your hunger and your fullness and think to yourself before you head into, you know, overeating or emotional eating, ask yourself, am I hungry? Do I need a meal right now? What have I had to eat today that's filled me up and satisfied me? that will avoid that, you know, that binge or, you know, that, you know, episode of emotional eating, because quite so, so, so often, those kinds of eating behaviours are rooted in the fact that we're not eating enough during the day, we're simply just not getting enough calories, because we're on our diet, or we're skipping meals, or eating low fat foods, and it's not filling us up enough. And so we're seeking that solace elsewhere, we're seeking those calories elsewhere. And quite often, when we don't have any other outlet for our emotions than food, because that's what we've been taught over the years. You know, food consoles us, food comforts us, we celebrate with food, we commiserate with food. And I will be doing an episode about emotional eating, so stay tuned for that one coming soon. But, you know, really try and tune into, you know, whether you are actually hungry, how hungry you are, what you're hungry for, and stopping your meals when you are comfortably full, so that you don't end up in this situation where, you're uncomfortably full uh, and you're feeling, you know, discomfort and also the guilt and the shame around those choices that you've made about food. So I hope that has been helpful and has given you some practical steps to help avoid this cycle of self-sabotage and to understand that for many, many people, when it comes to dieting, self-sabotage really isn't self-sabotage. It's just the fact that you're hungry and you're not getting enough from your diet. And as I've, spoke, as I've spoken about so many times before, because dieting robs us of joy in our lives and joy around food, we will seek that joy elsewhere, quite often in delicious, tasty chocolate cakes, and then beat ourselves with a stick for doing it. And we want to get out of those patterns. We really do. So I hope that this has been helpful to you to understand it in a little bit more detail. And like I said at the beginning, if you feel that, you know, you are sabotaging in a lot of different areas in your life, then it might be, you know, an idea for you to speak to somebody about that and get a little bit more support. All right. So if you want to work with me more closely on your relationship with food, on forming healthy habits, on prioritising your well-being, on looking after your body, mind and soul and nourishing yourself in all aspects of your life, and you are listening to this episode at the time of release, which is around mid-May, then it's possible that the doors to my membership, Nourish365, are either opening very, very soon or are currently open. So go to laurengayford.com forward slash club to find out how to become a member. If the doors are open, then you will see links on there to join the membership. If the doors are not currently open, then there's the option to join the waitlist to find out as soon as they next open. So 
I'll pop the link in the show notes for you and do feel free to reach out to me. The best place to catch me is in my Instagram DMs. That's where I tend to answer messages. I'm at nourished.lauren. My email is handled by my team, so you won't generally tend to find me hanging out in my email inbox. But if you want to have a a little chat with me, let me know what you thought of this episode, then head over to my Instagram DMs at nourished.lauren. All right, I hope you love this episode. Have a great week and I will see you on the next one. Thank you again for spending your time with me today. If this episode was valuable to you, I would truly appreciate it if you shared it with someone that would find it helpful. Also, don't forget you can find all the resources, links and show notes over at youarenourished.com. See you next week on the You Are Nourished podcast. Bye for now.